if we don't do it, Sky will. The Football Podcast. Three friends picking the bones out of the weekend's football. Hello and welcome to episode 13, unlucky for some, of If We Don't Do It, Sky Will, the football podcast. Absent today and not with us, as usual, is Manchester United fan Nick Gilmer, who has absconded once more. And that's probably a good thing because we don't want to talk about Manchester United's last minute win yesterday over West Ham. Uh, One person who I know will agree with me on that is Leeds United fan, down in the dumps again, it's a roller coaster, George Harker. Hello. Plenty to say today, I hope. Yes, can't wait. But filling Nick's seat, we have uh, with us Paul Caputo, Chester-based wine critic and now futsal impresario. I think congratulations are in order, Paul, aren't they today? Your first win in the futsal league. Yes, absolutely. Great to be here. Um, It's actually technically our second win. Um, Yes. This is the first victory where the other team turned up to face us. (laughs) The first one that wasn't awarded by the league, yeah. Yes. Uh, And so that's for your your new team called Chester Falcons. But the salient point for our podcast is, of course, that you are a lifelong and long-suffering, one has to add, um, Blackburn Rovers fan. Yes, indeed. Um, Although a little bit of excitement is is beginning to build. There's a a, a note of hope in the air uh, at the moment. So to remind our loyal listeners, you were on once before uh, at the end of November, just after a 7-0 shellacking by Fulham, which uh, they've made quite a habit of in recent days. But uh, the fact is, since then, it's been only upwards, hasn't it, until uh, until the last game at Hull, but we don't need to talk about that one. <laughs> well, I think, you know, it's important to just take a little, uh, little bit of pressure off. You know, we were just beginning to get a bit too lofty, so, um, you know, a couple of... Poor results recently might ultimately be quite good for us. We'll, we'll have to see. Must have been the longest unbeaten run in the country alongside Man City, don't you think? Yeah, we've done fantastically well. And you, you'll probably remember we talked about the crossroads that Tony Mowbray was at. You know, Blackburn really had to kick on uh, from November. Uh, yeah. And they've, they've done so, so. So they did, yeah. So we'll talk about uh, the championship and Blackburn later. We'll look forward to that. There's only one place to start this week, though, isn't there? And, um, George, there was a nerve-inducing equaliser to make it 2-2 and then a late third goal to win it in sensational fashion. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes. Drama at the King Power. I was about to switch off. I'm talking about Comoros, of course. Oh. Ghana 2, Comoros 3 <laughs> oh, yes. in the AFCON 2021 being played out in 22. So Comoros have a population of less than a million. They've never been to a major tournament. They've never even scored a goal in a major tournament. This was their third group game and they could put out Ghana. They went 2-0 up. Ghana came back to make it 2-2 and it looked like they'd saved themselves. And then a late winner, five minutes from time for Comoros. One of the biggest stories in the history of the African Cup of Nations. And through they go to the last 16, which have just started as we record, and they will face hosts Cameroon. So quite a tie for them in the last 16. Burkino Faso have already gone through to the quarterfinals with a penalty win over Gabon. And probably the tie of the round is Ivory Coast against Egypt. But yes, all joking aside, an amazing win for Spurs at Leicester. 
we'll get to that a little later because I, I fancy that'll be a little bit easier to talk about than yet another defeat at Chelsea. But on Saturday, the big game, although not televised, was at Ellen Road, wasn't it? Certainly for Newcastle, it was absolutely massive. And uh, the highlights suggested to me that Leeds had lots and lots of chances, couldn't put one away. And then, uh, as you told me, was inevitable. John Joe Shelby scored the winner 15 minutes from time. Yes, I'll tell you what is inevitable. Putting in our performance of the season six days earlier and then losing to that lot who <laughs> had only managed one win in their previous 20 games. It's the very definition of doing a lead, isn't it? Um, I don't, yeah, I don't they're, they're now within seven say. points of you. There's still a gap, but uh, yeah, it would have been I, it, better to keep them at bay. The only... In the context of the season, it's probably, well, hopefully our worst result in performance of the season. I hope so. It can't get any worse than that. I'm not overly worried. I think the gap is sufficient and there are other teams in a in a worse position than us. Um, it's just the fact that we've given Newcastle four points. Um, yeah. That's like a quarter of their points that we've given them. It's Yeah, it, it's just... I'd love it to be one of those where we just move on to the next game, but unfortunately I've got to stew on this for 18 days. Yes, indeed. Um, until our next game, which is horrific. Uh, yeah, nothing positive to say. It was, uh, by all accounts, it was god-awful. Um, yeah, lots I of thought, chances. Uh, but... Was it such a bad performance? Because I thought from the highlights mm. you had lots of chances. Is it more sort of frustration at missing chances uh, rather than not creating any? And not Just not having the right people on those chances. We mm. desperately need Patrick Bamford back. He is approaching four months out. Ironically, it was away at Newcastle his last game and he's on his third different injury in those four months he just doesn't seem yeah. to be he had that England call up has just ruined him <laughs> ever since and, then he's, he's and one of the played. injuries uh, he got while celebrating didn't he yeah less said about that the better <laughs> um, yeah so in the context of the season I hopefully it won't mean too much and there are other teams in that in that fight uh, the two wins preceding this have put us in a good position to stay up um, but yeah, just a, a bit of an embarrassing result, to be honest. A bit of a, I'm assuming a bit of a coupon buster. Yeah, indeed. Only a second win, Premier League win of the season for Newcastle. And uh, after they were dumped out of the cup by Cambridge um, <laughs> the previous week, they fly off to Saudi Arabia now for um, to, to focus on training, is what they say. Um, <laughs> for but, reasons, uh, yeah. Sure. Yeah, so they'll be back to have uh, to face two home games against Everton and Villa. Do we think that this is where Newcastle turn the corner, or do we think they're just lucky to play Leeds I mean, at this time? Came, the Cambridge resort aside, in the league, they showed signs of this against Man United, didn't they? Which seems a long yeah. time ago, but that I think that was their last league game before this. Oh no, they drew with Watford, didn't they? Yeah, um, drew with Watford, yeah. Mm. So they're, they're unbeaten three. So maybe you know they're on their up, and they've got a week left of the window to add to their squad. Um, but with Norwich winning, I'm sure we'll come on to, you know, one of those two arguably must go down, if not Everton. Yeah. <laughs> um, Norwich yeah, have maybe. really put some cats amongst the pigeons. Absolutely. It would be a shame to see Burnley go down, of course. <laughs> <laughs> well, Burnley have just deigned to play football again. So they're, they're four games behind Norwich, aren't they? So Burnley still on, on only one win. Um as Newcastle were before this game. But uh, difficult to know until Burnley catch up some more games. They play Watford at home on the FA Cup weekend, since both teams are conveniently, and I do mean that, out of the Cup. Um, 
Did you know that that will be the first time that the uh, Dingles, as you call them, Paul, will get to see their team at home since the beginning of December against West Ham for one reason or another? Um, I, I didn't know that, um, but obviously I can see that, you know, beyond that fixture, they, they've got a host... Uh, Manchester United and Liverpool so yeah it, it's it's a big ask for them isn't it but as you say there's games in hand and if they can get back amongst the you know the the teams just above them then it's it's going to be a very interesting relegation battle indeed the- and we'll get on to uh Watford Norwich in a bit but I wanted to mention uh Aston Villa leads his next opponents they went to Everton new manager bounce Everton we thought but they ground out the result with a 1-0 win George inevitable uh, Digne assist Obviously. Yeah. Emiliano <laughs> Buendia. It was from a Digne corner, wasn't it? It was. Yeah, and, just uh, before half time. Yeah, interesting that Aston Villa have actually lost more games than Newcastle, which I was surprised to see. Wow. Newcastle the draw specialist though. Yeah, I, I don't know wherever to go from here. Um obviously they've put Duncan Ferguson in charge. Is that to the end of the season or is it just temporary while they No, just I think even more temporary than that. Yeah. So um, yeah. They, it's not beyond the realms of possibility they could be dragged in. I know I said last week I don't think they will, but with Norwich and Newcastle winning, they must think, be looking over their shoulders now. I think what was noticeable though was that the noise was back, wasn't it? It was a great uh, mm. difference. Mm. It was like night and day from a Benitez game there. Constant infighting though. Every time I watch highlights, they're always yeah. bickering at the back. Pickford and Mina, especially, they always seem to <laughs> reminds you of out. Man United. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> So their first game after the break is at Newcastle. So, you know, um, two teams that are only separated by four points all of a sudden, it's going to be big. Yeah. And Aston Villa just, yeah, heading for mid-table mediocrity, I suppose. And or more if they can get Luis Suarez in in the next week. We'll see. Yeah. um, Steven Gerrard's band of brothers. Who knows? Tea time then. Um, Oh, no, there was one more three o'clock game. Bradford one, Wolves two, Wolves quietly climbing up the league on 34 points now. Brentford, we've talked about them maybe tanking it before and they came back with a couple of good results, but they have lost four on the bounce now, so it doesn't look good. Uh, but really, it was all about um, other events at this match, wasn't it? Uh, uh, two players on the same side clashing heads with each other and then an unauthorised drone uh, stopping play for 10 minutes. I don't think I've seen that ever before. Notable this game, though, the quality of the three goals. Was, yeah. Even Tony's um, volley was lovely. Oh, Traore didn't get one, did he? Did he score and it was allowed out? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So that would have been two in two for the man who I said can't, can't finish. But uh, yeah, Jean Martinho only scores good goals. Ruben Neves only scores good goals. Yeah. Lovely. Yeah, lovely goals. They're a good side. And maybe they're not as boring as we suggested a few weeks ago. Uh, and then at tea time, Southampton... Got a point off Man City, courtesy of former Spurs player Carl Walker-Peters with a great finish. Um, Hasenhüttl is a funny one, isn't it? He lost 9-0 twice, and yet he gets a lot of sort of tactical victories over the big managers. Um, can't quite work him out, but um, certainly uh, City's endless run of wins has now been terminated, but th- it won't harm them too much. I think there's some talk of a revived title race, but again, it's all ifs and maybes because of Liverpool's games in hand. And as I've said before, I'd much rather have the points on the board, especially at this time of year. So I'm not convinced, but um, yeah, it had to come to an end at one point, didn't it? Yeah, it wasn't for lack of trying. I think 
Raheem Sterling single-handedly stopped them winning the game. It's a couple of really bad misses. Um, yeah, he's got he a bad have... miss in him, doesn't he? Yeah, he really does. Yeah. <laughs> um, but a good performance from Fraser Forster. I know we joked about him the other day that he's just turned up at Southampton. We didn't realise he was there. But Yeah, and I called um... him an awful keeper. So, <laughs> yeah. okay, maybe give him his due for yesterday. Yeah. Yeah, but no, fair play to Southampton. They do have a good result in them as well. Um, and this was yeah. certainly one. Uh, again, a team just heading for mid-table. Very inconsistent, um, yeah. Yeah, incredibly, yeah. So um, Norwich, they went to Everton. They cost Rafa Benitez's job. Sorry, they uh, beat Everton at home, cost Rafa Benitez's job. Now they went to Watford in a basement battle clash where most people would have backed Watford to win that, I think. And they won 3-0 with this this young American chap making his debut, I think, or certainly one of his first games. Uh, Josh Sargent, he scored twice. All goals in the second half, but a three-nil win at uh, at Watford, and we've foretold a few weeks ago that Ranieri wouldn't last long, and it seems like it, doesn't it? Benitez has already lost his job for losing losing to Norwich, and I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Watford chopped Ranieri during this upcoming break, don't you think? Yeah, sure. And I I just wanted to mention this game for Norwich putting these two big wins on the board as one of the teams who've fulfilled all their fixtures in all this pretty open yeah. cheating season. That's right. And yeah, kudos to them. I think, like you said, they've got the points on the board now. You know, Burnley may well have four games in hand over them, but uh, fair play to them. Yeah, putting out teams and, and winning um, two very important games. It was a bit of a smash and grab from what I saw. Um, but they just took the chances. The, the first goal was yeah. a bit reminiscent of... Olivier Giroud's scorpion kick, if you remember. Yeah, really nice finish, ago. yeah. Unorthodox, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was a shame you had to wait for the, the watch to tell them it was over the line, but still, <laughs> yeah. lovely, little, lovely little finish. But yeah, Watford, yeah, God, yeah, could be on there. With their third manager by the end of January. So just Not, looking at their results, the just looking at their results and all the postponements going back, since that amazing win over Man United that really cost uh, Solskjaer his job, Hmm. That awful um, David De Gea interview afterwards. They haven't really done anything, have they? They've lost every game, got a draw at Newcastle with a last-minute header. But, you know, Ranieri hasn't got anything out of them, really. And with a game against Burnley coming up, which is all important, obviously, that's now 19th versus 20th. Yeah, I think they'll get rid of them in the break. So only one other game on Saturday uh, that we didn't really cover, but that was, as I said, uh, Manchester United's last minute winner against West Ham. I think that was self-inflicted by West Ham. They were really pushing for it right up to the end in injury time. Bowen lost the ball high up the park and then uh, the inevitable happened. But Nick's not here to crow about it. So let's just move on to Sunday. Obviously, the big game on uh, Super Sunday. Uh, We're recording just after that. Chelsea to Spurs nil. It was the result I expected very much, having just lost them twice in the League Cup uh, and also under a different manager, having heavily lost to them at home earlier in the season. So that's four defeats to Chelsea in one season, which is which does not feel great. But after my rant the other week, George, at least here, Conte did actually change his system. I complained, how can you um, do the same thing twice or even three times uh, across several games in several competitions we've had. 
he's repeatedly been forced to abandon his system at halftime or even earlier. And so I wanted him to show willingness to change. And Sky uh, commented on the fact that he's been playing this three at the back system for five years uh, steadfastly since that game at Arsenal in 2016 when he changed it at halftime and went on to win the league with that formation. And this time he comes out with a back four and the two wing backs from the 3-5-2. So essentially six defenders on the park. And you think, well, I suppose that's one way of doing it, just, <laughs> just trying to um, hold the fort. And to be honest, I didn't think the first half was that bad, especially since uh, we scored and Gary Neville and Martin Tyler were on our side or Harry Kane's side anyway in saying um, that his push on Thiago Silva was never a foul. Somehow Roy Keane and the other hard men in the studio thought it was a blatant foul. Paul, you were watching, didn't you? And you're very much uh, an expert on forward play. Um, There's no such thing as scoring a goal at the highest level without touching the defender a bit, is there? Yeah, well, as you know, I do. I do appreciate the um, you know the big number nine who, who backs in and holds it up. But I, it's very difficult, isn't it? You know, when at the end of the day, when the hand comes out and it's quite clearly planted on the back, it kind of doesn't really matter how much of a meal the defender makes of it. You know, it's going to get spotted, and and, and once it is spotted, it, it really is just a lottery whether or not it's sort of given or not. I think as Roy Keane said, you know, when you're running at speed, it's it's quite hard to judge. Oh, the, you're, you're feeding me Roy Keane's lines now. <laughs> um, you know, it's hard, to, it's hard to judge, you know, just how much force is in there. Obviously he made a, a mess of it. If he didn't go down, he was, he was not going to get the ball. You know, he had the cutback had, had uh, taken him out of the game, but he put, he, you know, he pushed him in the back. I think, I feel like things would have been different had Sunes been there as on uh, most other weekends, because they were praising Thiago Silva for his intelligence in making it look like a foul. I think Sunes would have stepped in there and said, we don't want that in our football. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, 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 Thiago Silva got very lucky. He got away with it very yeah. much. I don't really understand what is supposed to be a foul in that yes. scenario. I mean, I, you know, you saw from the corner, there was an, a, a, effectively a, a rugby scrum that was just completely passed over in the second yeah. half. Greco-Roman wrestling, yeah. yeah. You know, which was obviously ludicrous. And how do you sort of reconcile what happened there with yeah. what was given by the referee earlier on? So, if I, you know, but I think ultimately that was not, I mean, yes, it was a game-changing event in the sense that if Spurs yeah. had have taken the lead, it would have been a very different game. But well, actually, yeah, that's the point I wanted to make is I'm happy to take the uh, disallowed goal on the chin. Um, but... Uh, my problem really is the fact that there was that Conte's tactics and setup and depended so completely on going ahead on scoring the first goal or perhaps keeping it tight for 90 minutes. But I don't think even he thinks that's realistic. But um, with that disallowed and then the early goal in the second half, which you can't really stop. I mean, um, it, it was what I call a Arjen Robin goal from uh, ZH because he just cut in on his strong left foot and put it in the top corner. But um, Apart from knowing uh, knowing your players and uh, not showing them onto their stronger foot, there isn't much you can do about a finish like that. But that's all by by and by. But uh, it annoys me that there was no response and not even any... Um, I almost didn't expect a response the way it was set up. I, I sort of knew that once they scored, it was over. And it was a bit depressing how that uh, turned out to be the case. 
Yeah, and waiting till you're two 0 down to then bring Mora on. Yeah, and not starting him. I know Bergwijn had an incredible midweek, but I thought that was a big call. Not yeah, starting. he said before the game that um, Skip and Mora weren't fully fit. Um, right, fair enough. But we'll play for an hour then instead of bringing him on when you're two 0 down. Yeah, um, I think it's. Uh, I think it's all a bit performative from Conte trying to uh, push through some signings, but you know, I, I'm not going to get into that uh, morass. But uh, <laughs> talking about negativity, I, I can't see many signings happening in the next week either. But never mind. I think ultimately, apart from Traore, Chelsea won the individual battles. Yeah, know, Chelsea and, much and better, and they yeah. did so. They did so with a lot of characters out there. You know, there yeah. was a hunger and a desire that was just. A, a lot more evident than than that coming from the Spurs team. Yeah, and I think in our last refer to our last show for my feelings on that. Hey, George. Absolutely. Some good news in the week though. It's good to see that Loris is sticking around for another two years. The evergreen Hugo. Yeah, we can do with some of that. Yeah, that's good. It's not all doom and gloom. Don't want to see Golini in the, the number one jersey. That's for sure. Uh, elsewhere today, Arsenal. Dropped points at home to Burnley. Haven't seen any of it, but uh, delightful results. Leicester won, Brighton won. Again, not on TV. Haven't seen any of it. Not exactly a surprising result. Leicester very uh, uh, inconsistent. And they're coming off a midweek defeat to Tottenham. Yes, I did say defeat. It was, uh, I was always, I was already marking that on the spreadsheet as a win for Leicester, but. just extraordinary. If if we if we thought we scored late on against uh, Ajax that time, well, this was even later, wasn't it? It was five minutes of injury time, and after ninety four minutes and fifty five seconds, it was two one to Leicester, and we won the game three two. Difficult to comprehend how that even happened, but um, yeah, it's the sort of thing that happens in American sports where one team is winning at the end, and then the other team wins it because of a buzzer beater or a late uh, touchdown or something like that. It doesn't tend to happen in football very often. And I'm sure um, we've used up our luck for some months to come with that. But um, it was a lesson in uh, not turning off too soon. That's for sure. And great scenes in the away end as well. Did you see Lucas Mora and Giovanni Lo Celso getting a piggyback off some stewards, George? I did. Yes, I did. It was brilliant. <laughs> that was good. Better than your bottle throwing at Ellen Road anyway. Uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> and uh, Palace Liverpool any comments George I mean there was some good fight from Crystal Palace from what I saw um, and they did get themselves back into the game but Liverpool didn't have to try as hard as they probably should have for the three points and I yeah. know the league is probably lost um, in that to them to Man City in that sense but yeah they, they just they have so much strength and depth. I think they made four or five changes and it's still such a strong team they can put out. Yeah, and of course, um, no Mane and Salah at AFCON. Um, but mm. uh, yeah, they went 2-0 up in the first half and it looked like that was all plain sailing. But then Odson Edward got one back for Palace and then a controversial penalty I heard but didn't yeah, see. Yeah, I was, I was going to say, I thought I thought Palace were very good. You know, they really put Liverpool on the back foot as they tried to get yeah. back into it. And then that penalty was soft um i haven't seen it can you just uh enlighten me yeah i can't remember who it was i think jota maybe sort of sort of ambled around the goalkeeper with the ball sort of heading away from goal and out of play and very little danger very mm. minimal touch 
you know, technically, yes, there was a coming together, but it was it was soft. And I think the, the manager on the end of that kind of decision would always whinge and complain about that. I haven't seen what Pierre has had to say, but I think I, I can't imagine he'd be uh, very impressed with the decision. And obviously killed the game completely, just as Palace were yeah. looking to get something. And they had a lot of chances, you know. They, yeah. they, they were cutting through Liverpool. So that takes us to a winter break and a, in some sense, an international break. There is a, a round of qualifiers down in South America, which is making up for a missed round earlier on. Otherwise, uh, everyone's taking a break. And like I said, the likes of Newcastle going to Saudi Arabia, a few other teams to Dubai, no doubt. Uh, but the South Americans will be off to their qualifiers. Chile playing Argentina, Colombia playing Peru. Pretty uh, big games for the permutations in that qualifying group. Obviously, Brazil and Argentina already in Qatar qualified, but they need to find two other qualifiers and one who will go to the playoffs. So plenty to look out for. So welcome back to part three, and uh, we're now going to go to the championship, which we don't always look at, but uh, we're an esteemed company with Rovers fan Paul. We mentioned at the start of the show, you've had a great run. You were on just after you lost 7-0 to Fulham, I mentioned, and they've just scored 22 goals in four games within 11 days. They've won 7-0 again, and they had a couple of 6-2s as well against Bristol City and Birmingham. And then this weekend, they won at Stoke. So... They couldn't buy a win in December. Where has all this come from under uh, Marco Silva? That's one question. And then the other question for you is um, just how you feel about uh, the prospect of a gruelling championship run-in towards the playoffs or possibly, even better, automatic promotion. Yeah, well, I suppose in recent years we've been sort of here before. We haven't quite been in the top we haven't quite been chasing automatic promotion, but we've certainly been in and around the playoffs. And then inevitably the wheels sort of come off. The old Lancashire weather takes its toll in January and February and we hit March with no players left down to injury. And I think you know, George is very familiar with that pattern in the lower leagues. Yeah. you know, And, and to, be, to be honest, that is actually happening. Um, some of the recent poor results are probably down to a very stretched squad. Yeah, so you went yeah. out of the cup to Wigan. Yes, I mean personally, that's a blessing in Probably disguise. Best, obviously, yeah. obviously, nobody likes to go and lose um, at lower league opposition. It's always a bit embarrassing. It said a lot about the amount of games that they played um, around that time. It was Christmas period. They'd had COVID things and injuries, but you know, out the cup, we were not going to win the cup, and that, um, quite frankly, was a bit of a distraction. So. Um, I think if Rovers are really serious about going up this year, um, it's a good thing. And you bounce back with a win at Cardiff, which is not easy. Yeah, a fantastic result there. They played play very well. You know, Cardiff are, are hit and miss. I think it's probably worth pointing out that the COVID rules in Wales meant there were no fans there. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. Um, it, you know, it was probably not the usual uh, hostile atmosphere that you can find. That's uh, right, yeah. Down there, but... You know, at the end of the day, you've still got to go there and win. And, and you know, and they did that. So George has, on the show previously, George has bemoaned uh, increased attention on Leeds as soon as they've put a couple of good results together and people start talking about them. What do you feel like now that uh, newspaper columns are being dedicated to Blackburn and your sort of return to the top table uh, being on the horizon, maybe? 
is the attention a good thing? Yes. I mean, I don't think it's, it, it's a bad thing. Um, it's a, you know, certainly it's, it's a young team. There are a lot of um, young, inexperienced players in that squad. It'd be interesting to see how they how they cope. You know, and and they've got some tough fixtures coming up. Um, I think for the moment it's about just making sure that they don't completely chuck it all away, um, and that they make sure that they cement that playoff spot. First yeah. Almost. Um, beyond that, you know, if they can push for the automatic places, then um, you, you know, then they deserve it. They they they've played very well, and in the games where they've dropped points, they've been a bit unlucky. You know, there's been apart from that Fulham game where they got absolutely hammered at home. Um, there's been very few games where they've really been, um, you know, out outplayed. Yeah, and seeing what Fulham have done recently must make you feel a bit better about that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, as you said, they are free scoring. Um, they've got some good players. Um, for me, you know, Mitrovic is a is, is a world class striker and should not be playing in the championship. I can't believe no one has snapped him up yet. A role model for you, yeah. <laughs> Indeed. Um, well, yes. So <laughs> you mentioned Chile. Earlier. Yes. Obviously, Ben Breton will now miss the next two games as he uh, um, continues his international <laughs> journey. Do you refuse to give him his full name? Ben Brereton Diaz, yes. Ben Brereton Diaz of Stoke, yeah. Isn't isn't it more important that he doesn't go to another club in these couple of weeks? Well, that's the thing. So Newcastle and West Ham, I think, are quite openly interested Mm. in him. Um, He's a young player and and we spent a lot of money on him. Um, So I believe that the asking price could be what has prevented something happening already. Yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting. Um, if he moves to um, the Geordies, let's say, what do you think will happen to the um, fledgling Blackburn Rovers supporters clubs down in Chile? Well, it would be it would be a shame, you know. It's been a <laughs> it's been a lot of fun, and there are a lot of um, very very funny videos doing the rounds, <laughs> of, uh, you know, of of supporters in in rural Chile, uh, you know, all dressed in Blackburn Rovers kits, singing. You know, Ben, Ben, Ben. So <laughs> it's uh, it's good fun, and obviously, if you look at the the Rovers' uh, social media accounts, it's 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 a, a torrent of um, yeah of vamos, vamos, uh, coining it in <laughs> exactly. So, well, you must be quite pleasantly surprised by this season, though. I mean, I was looking well from my own time in the Championship. You were there, or thereabouts, a couple of times, only to drop away in the last sort of few weeks. This. This season, you lost Adam Armstrong in the summer, and I was just looking now. You signed a left back from Lincoln City, <laughs> and that was that's bit, and released about fifteen players. I mean, this this is quite a surprising season, isn't it? Yeah, well, actually, well, you um, swept away the dead wood. It sounds like I, actually, it's the left back signing from from Crew Pickering that has um, really shored us up. I, you know, a few things have happened. Um, Lenahan has managed to stay fit. He's got better and better. Uh, we've signed a, a, a great um, player from the from the Premiership, um, Van Hacker, who's who's playing centre back, um, and he tends to play in a three. So we've got this sort of back three. We're playing uh, wing backs. We, we we're really spreading the, the play, and we've got Rothwell that's essentially been given a free role in the middle to just Mowbray's playing a back three. Y- yes, he is. <laughs> um, but but it's not long ball Mowbray. It's it's very much. Um, you know, get it down and play it. He's trying to use 
young players with pace. Uh, we mm. signed Reda Kedra um, from Brighton, who's been absolutely outstanding. You know, really added a different dimension to the team going forward. Um, but you, but the, the the problem is just just injuries. Um, it was interesting watching Blackburn last year because Adam Armstrong obviously got a lot of goals and that contributed to his his big money move away. But the problem was everything was played through Armstrong, and it was quite easy to you know work out what Blackburn were going to do last year. Yeah, over reliant. Oh yes, Van Hecke, massive giant from Brighton. <laughs> what, a, what a surprise! Another one. <laughs> yeah, you know he looks very good. He, he does get caught for pace here and there, but he's got the, um, you know, he's, he's got the sense to foul and stop play. Um, you know, he'll, t- he'll take a booking and manage to just about get away with it. So he's, he's been a great addition to the team. Six foot two. Yeah. 21-year-old six foot two. Yeah. Okay. And uh, you mentioned the importance of securing at least a playoff spot. Well, in that sense, a huge game coming up on TV Monday night, uh, probably just around when this episode goes up. Uh, you're at home to Middlesbrough, who are in seventh place, seven points behind you. So this is a classic six-point affair, really. Yeah, absolutely. And Middlesbrough are a good team. Um, I mean, there, there are no easy games in the Championship, and, and, you know, <laughs> unless it seems that you, unless you're Fulham. So... You know, it, it will be very difficult. As I said, we've got a lot of injuries. There's not much at the moment going forward. You know, and we, in fact, we signed the, the player from um, from from Spurs. Ah, uh, yeah, Mark Ande. Mark Ande. I don't know much yeah. about him, but he's neither do I. <laughs> he's, he's you know apparently highly rated. He's a, a um, he's come on a a deal. He's been at Spurs all his life since he was a schoolboy. So it's a big move for him but unfortunately he pulled his hamstring in the, after 20 minutes against Hull a few oh days dear. ago he's, out, he's now out for the season so that was he that was our big properly. January move <laughs> yeah. so it, it, you know the Venkies have got an interesting little little choice to make now there's a week or so left of the, the window you know they, they've been prudent I suppose is the, is the <laughs> word in terms of their um recent investment you know I think that's the word Daniel Levy uses yeah yeah they've done just enough to keep us afloat they've not let the wheels completely fall off and I think it's no secret they knew absolutely nothing about football uh, or Blackburn Um, before buying the club they were badly advised for the first few years and it's cost them but they've slow you know they've kept away from the media they've said nothing but they've you know they've restructured the, the balance sheet a little bit and they've They've tried to um, they've tried to adjust things in a in a sensible way, and, and they've had Mowbray for quite a while now. Had Mowbray for for a while. Um, now is the moment where they could spend. Um, they won't. I think they'll play it. They'll continue to play it cautiously. Um, but I think you know if you're a chairman now sitting in third place with with half the season left. And you're, you know, you you can start to see that Premier Premier League TV money. You yeah. might be inclined to start throwing the dice a little bit, but I I don't think they will. And as a futsal, uh, a newly minted futsal chairman yourself, you know this all too well, don't you? Oh yes, <laughs> it's all, it's all about caution and living to fight another day. I believe you had to pay a fine this week for too many bookings. Uh, well, we'll. We haven't had the letter yet, but you'll we, contest it, of course. We, we certainly <laughs> had the bookings, unfortunately. <laughs> okay. 
Okay, welcome back to part four. So with the uh, winter break slash partial international break coming up and play stopped across all the top leagues except your championship pool, let's wrap up everything that's been happening in the major leagues. So let's start in Germany where there was a great week in the DFB Pokal. As we know, as we've discussed on the show, um, Bayern Munich were dumped out uh, in the previous round by Borussia Mönchengladbach, sensationally 5-0. This meant that uh, Dortmund were certainly favourites to retain their title this year. But uh, in midweek, they lost at San Pauli, uh, who are right at the top of the second Bundesliga. Uh, they, I would say they're on course for promotion, but there are some real big dogs of German football towards the top of the second division like Werder Bremen and Schalke and Hamburg. So I think that will go to the wire, really. But uh, they're looking good. And they had to play in front of only 2,000 fans. So without their famous uh, ultra fans behind the goal and yet um, dumped out the holders, Dortmund, out of the cup. And then in the same week on the Friday evening, they had to play their huge uh, derby against Heisfall, uh, the other Hamburg club, which they then lost uh, 2-1. So a huge week for that club. And they're through to the quarterfinals of the DFB Pokal, for which the draw has not been made just yet. But um, Union Berlin won the Berlin derby in the same round of the cup. So they're through. They won 3-2 at the Olympic Stadium, where, of course, the final will also be played. So they'll be hoping to go back there. They were there at the start of this century. Uh, they lost a final to Schalke, but they've certainly never been to, never had a chance to win the trophy or anything like that since then, the last 20 years or so. Freiburg also having a great season. They won 4-1 at Hoffenheim and uh, RB Leipzig also threw. And Hamburg, who I've just mentioned, also came through on penalties against uh, Cologne. So uh, it's quite an open field. The quarterfinals, uh, quarterfinal draw will be at the end of this week. It'll be a very unpopular champion, though, RB Leipzig. Yeah, probably on in terms of strength of the sides left now, they're probably favourites. But uh, as I mentioned, Union Berlin, Freiburg having great seasons. Who knows how far St. Pauli can go. Uh, yeah, interesting last eight of that, uh, of that cup. Meanwhile, in Spain, the Copa del Rey also had a fascinating midweek round. So Real Madrid have played Elke twice, once in the cup and once in the league. They, they uh, scraped through after extra time in midweek. And then today, they've just about hung on for a 2-2 draw with them in the league. Um, actually, they, they ground out a 2-2 draw with two late goals to get back in there. Um, Eden Hazard scored the winner against LK, so a rare moment of positivity for him at uh, Real Madrid. Um, Atletico, they've had a rough patch and they've now been dumped out of the cup to Real Sociedad. Sevilla, of course, went out to Betis. We talked about that last week. Valencia are still in there. They beat um, a third-tier side. And uh, Bilbao, after extra time, beat uh, Barcelona 3-2 in an amazing cup tie. Muniain scored in extra time to win it 3-2. So Real Madrid's lead over Sevilla in the league is now four points. So the, the title race is perhaps still alive in Spain. Meanwhile, in Italy, they've also completed the uh, last 16 of the Coppa Italia and the quarterfinals in early February when we're back from this break. We'll see Inter take on Mourinho's Roma. That'll be a great tie. Milan, Lazio, Atalanta, Fiorentina and Juve against Sassuolo. But uh, Paul, I know Napoli are also dear to your heart and we've talked about them a bit throughout this season. We thought they'd dropped away from the title race, but they've just had three big wins in a row in the league. 
Um, also a, a very tempestuous cup tie against Fiorentina, which went to extra time at 2-2 and they ended up losing 5-2 to La Viola. But um, they're back in the conversation in the league, aren't they? Yeah, very much so. Um, they've played some of the, the weaker sides in recent games and they've, you know, they've managed to put points on the board, um, which, is, which is great. As you say, there was a, a ludicrous game against Fiorentina in the Cup. Uh, you know, the classic Italian approach to defending, plenty of obstruction, plenty of yellow cards, and they started yeah. to show with with uh, players on both sides getting sent off. I think Napoli finished with nine men, but, you know, they're there in second. They're four points um, behind Inter, aren't they? But Inter have got four a game points around. behind Inter and one point ahead of Milan now, who play Juve as we speak. Uh, it's nil-nil as we're recording. Yeah, I mean, so, I mean, uh, I think Napoli are are obviously in second place in the conversation, but I think it's the games that are coming up. So Inter have obviously got to play the Milan derby beginning of February, and then they've, right. got to, they've got to go to the San Paolo mid-February. So, um, you know, there's an opportunity there for um, Spalletti's men uh, to to try and um, peg back uh, to peg back his old club. Yeah, we'd love to see that uh, title race go the distance. Speaking of romance, it's sad that Venetia couldn't hold on against massive Inter. I think uh, Dzeko scored one of the last kicks of the game, unfortunately. Ah, Venetia against Inter, yes. yeah. yeah. But they are just keeping their heads above water, so hopefully they can survive. Is that on your bucket list to go to that uh, stadium in Venice? Same here, I think, yeah. Yeah. Verona have done interesting, um, you you know, they've had some interesting results. Obviously, they beat Sassuolo a week ago. Uh, way, which is a, on the face of it, a bit of a, an obscure mid-table clash. But the, you know they are creeping up. I don't think they'll quite catch Roma. You know, but um, sillier things have happened in Italy. Yeah, and what do you think about uh, Mourinho at Roma? Do you think he'll be given a bit more time, or it's all very tempestuous, isn't it? Always red cards and drama wherever he goes. Yeah, I mean, there's a you know there's a lot of games still to be played in. Uh, in Serie A, um, Juventus are probably a bit irritated there where they are. They're going to be looking to, to break into the top top four. Yeah. There's an opportunity for him. Um, ultimately, is sixth good enough? Yeah, he's lost nine games already and you'd think that they're probably demanding Champions League for the money that they're paying him. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we'll be back in uh, a few weeks' time. I think the 14th of February after a double helping of... Premier League. There's a midweek round after the FA Cup and then the round of uh, 12th, 13th February. George, I think you can uh, rest easy. I know you've got, you said you've got to dwell on this uh, defeat to Newcastle, but at least you're seven points off the drop zone. I think you can leave it to all those other teams to fight that out over the next few months. Gladly. <laughs> no problem with that. And Paul, no break for you. You've got uh, the likes of Middlesbrough and Swansea and all sorts. Luton, I think, coming up in the next few weeks. So good luck with that and hope it continues on an upward trajectory. Yeah, absolutely. Um, thank you very much for having me on. As for me, I think all I can hope for is um, maybe some signings. Uh, <laughs> maybe the, placating our top class manager who is already tearing his hair out. But uh, yeah, all I'll say is I'm glad to see the back of Chelsea, that's for sure. So uh, enjoy and uh, look forward to uh, talking with you again very soon. Cheers, George. Bye for now. Thank you. And thanks, Paul. Cheers. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.